0: 2023 edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Last month marked 25 years since the murder of Matthew Shepard in Laramie, Wyoming, during a truly vicious hate crime that caught the attention of the entire world. Last month, I traveled to Denver, Colorado for the annual Matthew Shepard Foundation Gala. It was a sold-out event with over 650 people from all over the United States in attendance. Tonight, I'm going to share some of the highlights from that evening program. So stay with us. It's all coming up next Right after your Outbeat Radio news for this Sunday, November 26th,
1: 2023.
0: This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio news for the week of November 26th, 2023. Last Monday, this year's Transgender Day of Remembrance reminded us of the 320 trans and gender diverse people who have been killed this year. According to Forbes, the Trans Murder Monitoring Report tracks murders reported in the media each year. This year's report includes deaths between October 1 of 2022 and September 30 of 2023. The vast majority of those killed, 94% in fact, were trans women or trans feminine people. Most were black and many were sex workers. 80% of those killed were trans people affected by racism, an increase of 15% from last year and many of the victims were also young. The age group with the most victims was just 19 to 25 years old. Overall, those between 19 and 40 made up three-quarters of all of those killed. Almost three-quarters, or 73% of those tracked, happened in Latin America and in the Caribbean. The Transgender Day of Remembrance was started in 1999 by transgender advocate Gwendolyn Ann Smith as a vigil to honor the memory of Rita Hester, a trans woman who was killed in 1998. The vigil commemorates all transgender people lost to violence since Rita Hester's death and began an important tradition that has become an annual Transgender Day of Remembrance. Anna a Georgia county has continued its relentless pursuit to avoid covering gender-affirming care for a public employee, This week, Houston County appealed a 2022 ruling that requires its insurance plan to cover gender-affirming care for all employees. It is not only seeking to reverse the decision, but also take back the $60,000 in damages that were awarded to a trans plaintiff who brought the lawsuit. In 2019, Anna Lang, a police sergeant in the small town of Perry, Georgia, filed a federal lawsuit against the Houston County Board of Commissioners after they denied her request for insurance coverage for gender-affirming surgery. Three years later, a district court judge ruled in Lang v. Houston County that officials in Houston County had violated protections afforded under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 when they denied Lang gender affirming care under the county employees' health plan. In a years long battle, the county spent $1.2 million, nearly three times its annual physical and mental health budget, to avoid paying just $10,000 for Lang's surgery. Lawyers for the county cited soaring health insurance premiums and argued that eliminating the exclusion on gender-affirming care would lead to requests to remove other exclusions. An expert hired by Lang's attorney argued that the cost of including gender-affirming care in the county's health plan would be, quote, an amount so low it would be considered immaterial, end quote. And yet the county is still fighting for the right to deny this coverage, even though Lang has already had the surgery. According to the Associated Press, Lang first came out to Sheriff Colin Tolton, who told her, quote, he didn't believe in sex changes, end quote. The county has denied coverage for gender-affirming care since at least 1998, and it continued to do so even after the county's own insurance administrator determined in 2016 that excluding gender-affirming treatment from the county's health plan violated the Affordable Care Act. And in Louisiana, a gay conservative lawyer sued the Louisiana State Bar for putting a rainbow flag on its website. And he just won a major victory in the court battle. Randy Boudreaux, an attorney in Louisiana, where he's required to be a member of the state bar association took issue with the fact that his dues were being used for speech unrelated to the bar association's role in regulating and supporting the legal profession he took issue with several communications from the Louisiana State Bar including a set of quote, "wellness wednesday" end quote, tweets that the organization posted on its twitter account that told lawyers to eat walnuts, exercise three times per week, and get sunlight. He was also upset about a pride flag posted on the group's website last summer that linked to a History.com page about the LGBTQ movement. The trial judge dismissed Boudreaux's case in June of 2022, but then he appealed, and the U.S. appeals court for the Firth Circuit ruled in his favor. The panel of judges said about the pride flag on the website that the Bar Association could promote LGBTQ plus participation in the legal profession, but that there was no relationship between the flag or the linked article and the legal profession. They said, quote, the Louisiana State Bar Association can promote inclusion of LGBTQ individuals in the legal profession, but they may not promote LGBT causes generally with no connection to the legal profession. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia.
2: was a gruesome discovery at this fence, late Wednesday afternoon, as the sun was setting, two bicyclists approached, and at first they said it looked like a scarecrow had been tied to the fence. Instead, the lifeless, savagely beaten body of 21-year-old Matthew Shepard, a University of Wyoming freshman, a gay man, barely alive tonight, in a coma, brain damaged, and on life support. Today, two young men, Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney, whispered in obscenity as he came into court were charged in the county of albany kidnapping, robbery and attempted murder a hate crime according to police who say the two met shepherd in this laramie bar tricked him into believing they were gay too then the three left together it was 1 a.m wednesday morning but shepherd a small man was allegedly beaten with the butt of a pistol wyoming is known as the cowboy state it's one of eight without a hate crime law For the last five years here, state lawmakers have defeated attempts to legislate against hate, saying they didn't want to give preferential treatment to homosexuals. At the University of Wyoming here in Laramie, students say while there is tolerance on campus to those who are different, it's another story off campus. The homecoming parade at the University of Wyoming. After the band and the floats and the hoopla... A quiet reminder that something ugly happened here this week.
3: We need to get out and show people that there are people that care.
2: The homecoming parade doubled in size as more joined to make a statement against hate. This is a terrible crime against a person, no matter if he's black, colored, gay, or white. You don't treat people that way. At the homecoming football game, 15,000 people stood in silence for Matthew Shepard. Less than two miles away, down a dusty country road, at the fence where the beating took place, another smaller sign that Shepard will not soon be forgotten here. Violence and hatred starts in small ways and grows and grows and grows. The cruelty and hate that was inflicted on Matthew Shepard cries out to each one of us to examine our lives and to do it honestly.
4: The victim of what many people say was a hate crime in Wyoming this morning has died. 21-year-old Matthew Shepard was found beaten and unconscious last week near the University of Wyoming. Shepard was gay, and while police say robbery was the primary motive for the attack, gay rights groups call it a hate crime. Shepard remained on life support at a Colorado hospital until this morning when he passed away. The hospital spokesman said Shepard's family is grateful for support from around the world
5: like the good caring son that he was um, he was able to remove from them the guilt or stress of having to make that decision they said that uh, he came into the world premature and he left the world premature they were most grateful for the time that they had to spend
0: And those were just a few of the news stories that I remember from 1998. In June of that same year, I also remember reading about the horrific details of the murder of James Byrd Jr. in Jasper, Texas. And then just a few months later, I heard the sad news stories that you just heard, a young gay man. And it was terrifying to think that violence like this was still possible in 1998. And of course, we've seen even more violence against our community happen during the quarter century that's passed since then. Matthew Shepard's story caught the world's attention and changed many lives, including my own. I had the chance to meet Matthew's mother, Judy Shepard, in 2000, and we became fast friends. Soon after losing their son, Judy and Dennis Shepard formed the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Judy was called on to speak around the nation, and I was very fortunate to bring her to Napa Valley College, where she spoke to a standing-room-only gym filled with well over a 1,000 people. I remember her talking about Matt and about how the most effective ways of changing hearts and minds included coming out and sharing your story. That's what led me to finally be able to come out, and I've been serving the Matthew Shepard Foundation ever since. Well, last month we gathered again to remember Matthew Shepard and to commemorate all of the incredible work of the Matthew Shepard Foundation over the last quarter century. At the center of this work has been Judy and Dennis Shepard. This fall, both of them sat down with Katie Kirk to talk about the last 25 years.
6: I interviewed you all less than six months after this happened, and I thought I'd play it for you. You know, it's one thing to lose a son, but the brutality of this crime and the viciousness, how do you deal with that?
7: The anger really isn't there yet. I'm sure it'll come, but it's not really there yet. It's it's, I don't understand how anybody could do that.
6: Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember
7: thinking how odd it was that we were here doing this with you, that we're just
6: two people who lost a son. I don't think we understand the scope of how big it really was. In fact, by the spring of 1999, everyone knew the name Matthew Shepard. But to Judy Dennis and younger brother Logan, Matthew was just Matt. He loved the theater and watching him play Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) The homemade costume was the best, right? Yeah. (laughs) This year, he would have turned 46 years old.
7: Matt would be the age now that I was when we lost him.
6: What do you think he might be doing?
7: Well, we often talk about how his dream was to be part of the State Department. He was so gifted in languages and really cared about um, folks he thought had less than they should have had.
6: Perhaps it was Matthew's trusting nature that made the 21-year-old University of Wyoming student fall prey to two men he had met at a bar in Laramie. Sensing Matthew was gay, they pretended to be gay, too, and invited him to a party.
8: On the way, said, uh, we're not going to a party. Uh, You're being jacked. Give us your wallet. So they took his wallet, and then they proceeded to beat him. And he had 18 blows to the to the skull and then they left him
6: it was 18 hours before a bicyclist thinking at first Matthew was a scarecrow found him barely alive I know you have said before that you have never visited the spot where Matt
8: was found
6: I haven't Dennis why did you want to go there
8: Dennis that's where Matt was I keep thinking what if he was, he was yelling out what well, I was going on, asking for dad? And I wasn't there. I couldn't do anything. It was just something important to me.
6: During the four days Matthew was in a coma, the story went from a small town tragedy to an international reckoning. People everywhere asking, how could this happen? I didn't realize that Elton John bought out <laughs> all the flowers and all the flower shops.
8: He kept calling, we thought it was a crank call so we wouldn't accept the call.
6: But so many acts of kindness yeah. followed this horrific thing. Yeah, 10,000 cards and letters,
7: a lot of parents swearing they would raise their children to be accepting. It was It
6: was really moving. His attackers, Aaron McKenney and Russell Henderson, were convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Part of the sentencing agreement prevented them from speaking to the press. But an AP reporter got a hold of Russell Henderson five years ago, and he said, quote, I think about Matthew every single day of my life. I think about him in every single one of those days that I've had that he hasn't had, his family hasn't had, his friends haven't had. I'm so, so ashamed I was ever part of this. Don't believe it for a second.
7: We differ there. I think without the other guy, Aaron McKinney, Russell, wouldn't, Russell would have been fine. He was a follower he, up until he became involved with McKinney and drugs. He was a good kid, got lost, bad family life. I think he's as much a victim as Matt was.
6: Matthew's legacy lives on. Judy and Dennis started the Matthew Shepherd Foundation to advocate for LGBTQ rights
3: whenever I think about Matthew, I I always think about his incredibly beaming
6: smile. A play called The Laramie Project followed, and later a choral work, considering Matthew Shepard. in In 2009, President Obama, motivated by Matthew's senseless murder, signed the Hate Crimes Prevention Act. But just as they believed real progress was being made, the shepherds are now watching as scores of anti-LGBTQ measures are being considered and enacted across the country. What has your reaction been as you've seen this unfold? This battle is just the last, most vicious attack on the community. They're fighting a losing battle. For so long, the shepherds couldn't bury their son, for fear his grave would be desecrated. In 2018, his remains were finally interred at Washington National Cathedral. The same place they recently dedicated a devotional portrait of Matthew. He's surrounded by some of the cards and letters that you all
8: received.
6: It's really quite moving.
8: Got one hand on his heart saying, welcome, welcome. And the other is extended, like, I'm here for you.
0: I mentioned already that Matthew's story caught the attention of the entire world and changed many lives in ways that Matthew could never imagine. And one of those lives was singer-songwriter Randy Driscoll. She's a straight ally who was living in San Diego at the time and was so moved about what happened that she wrote a song. Randy recorded the song What Matters and sent it to the Shepherds with her condolences. This beautiful musical tribute became the anthem for the Matthew Shepherd Foundation. This year, Randy released a remastered version of the song and is with us tonight to talk more about it. Randy, welcome back to the show.
4: Good morning. I'm so happy to see you, Fred, and happy to be back.
0: (laughs) It's been way too long. Way too long. I was trying to think about when we last had you on to talk about what matters, and uh, I mean, it's been years and years and years and years. It
4: has. So many years.
0: Long, long overdue. Um,
4: yeah, I mean, at least before the pandemic, I know you and I touched base a little bit during the pandemic, but, um, but before it, well before the
0: start yeah. of that. So
4: it's been a minute.
0: Be back. Well, you've got this brand new remastered release of What Matters, which is you know, a song near and dear to my heart, for sure. You know that. But for our listeners who may not be familiar with it, you know, let's go back. It's been 25 years.
4: It is. I can't believe it.
0: So talk about the impetus for the song and yeah. what inspired you
4: so um 25 years ago um, after the killing of matthew Shepard, um i was you know a young songwriter and i um quickly knew that i had to sort of process this grief this collective grief that we were all feeling and anger honestly um and so i just ran to my little keyboard at my little um, bungalow in ocean beach california where i lived at the time and i just sort of like spilled out this song 45 minutes later Um, And, you know, in that moment, because I've been thinking a lot about those moments early on, um, my intention was to send this with a card to Judy Shepard and Dennis Shepard and tell them how sorry I was to hear about their son um, and how I was, you know, people everywhere were grieving this hate. And um, because I know this to be true from uh, my time with Dennis last year when we met up, um, I did, in fact, do that. I sent a card, which they still have. They still have the card Mm -hmm. and the letter and the little cassette tape that I sent. Um, But through some encouraging from some amazing folks in San Diego, um, we decided to record the the song as a benefit single. And looking back, it's funny because at the time, the idea was I would take this song, I would create a benefit single. All of the money raised would go to the newly formed Matthew Shepard Foundation uh, created in Judy and Dennis's name. And and if you remember back then, we could sell a single. People would pay for music. They would actually purchase a little plastic CD. We sold it at colleges, festivals, pride festivals, Mm coffee houses out of the trunk of my car. And um, through through doing that, this really, what was a grassroots sort of, you know, movement with no major label at all behind it, um, we raised several thousand dollars for um, hmm. Judy and Dennis's foundation, and then I was introduced to them, and um, this friendship formed, um, we became fast friends. And I started to tour with the foundation, as you well know, yes. um, started to do work with them, started to witness how they were um, sharing that story and changing lives and, and creating change for better, um, was incredibly inspired and then continued to do that on my own, went on to do concerts. It's to this day, 25 years later, um, one of my, if not my most requested song, um, and so as we sort of traveled, uh, you know, the journey was long. It was created into a choral piece was created, which was um, incredibly successful. I was doing some researching of my own this year, and I found out that um, it was one of the most requested Gallup pieces. Um, it's been formed internationally, and that's with the beautiful arrangement by Kevin Robinson. And so it, the, the words and the music have, have been something dear to me. And in a way, I feel like it was just this um, continuous way to put love um, out into the universe mm-hmm. through song, right? So as I knew we were coming up on the 25th uh, anniversary and over the years, I've done different things. I've um, really early on, I released a couple different versions of it, a live version and then a, an updated version. And then um, I've done concerts, you know, to sort of honor, honor the legacy of Matt. But when we are coming up on the 25th, it felt really important. And I, I won't lie. It felt really important because of the state of our humanity of where mm-hmm. we are and feeling like, for as far as we've come, we haven't come very far. And I just thought, you know, uh, 25 years ago, the words were important to get out for me. And 25 years later, they're still important for me to say and to sing and to, you know, breathe life into these lyrics again, because I think mm-hmm. the message matters, you know? So um, the new version is um, a brand new version of the song, and it's called uh, What Matters 2023, Randy Driscoll and Friends, which is uh, the most special part. It has collectively, I think, over 25 artists on it, um, instrumentalists and vocalists. And um, it was an interesting thought. I thought, I don't just want to sing it. I want to bring people in to sing on it with me who have sung on it with me, some for two decades. Some of the musicians playing on it played on the first, re- you know, the initial release, right. some were were there from the beginning and they are they are artists who are uniquely diverse they're from all over the place the, in fact the cd was recorded all over the place the fundamental track the tracking was done in nashville at omni sound studios with some unbelievable players but then larry mitchell who's done several versions himself of the song with me um did put the electric guitars on from australia we had dave agar the original oh. cellist here. He put his strings on Bristol. um, I mean, Noah helped with the vocals from California. I mean, it was like a really collective effort. And then um, I invited some of my dear friends. So there were many, many people and I won't remember all of them, but it features people who have been singing this song with me for years, like um, Jason and DeMarco. Mm -hmm. We met at a Pride Festival um, 20 years ago when I was actually performing What Matters on stage and their dear friends. Let's see, Brian Ruby is a, is a newer friend, but he's performed it recently with me at several Pride festivals. And you know Brian mm-hmm. from his work. In baseball. Um, so Jason D and Brian are uh, long advocates for trying to, you know, trying to change the world through their own foundations, through their own charities. And I know that Matt's story is, you know, very important to them. Right. Um, Tim Plannery is on it. Lisa Sanders is on Lisa has been singing it with me since the original benefit single at Twig's Coffee House, like 20 some years ago. So um, it's got San Diego artists. I mean, we have people, international pop stars are on it. Um, singers from Nashville. Um, my sister, Hearts, even. Kim are on there. And it's interesting, too, because as I was sort of trying to write the bio, they're all diverse. There are pop singers. There are Christian singers on there. There are um, rock singers on there, you know, spirit pop singers on there. And then the instrumentalists are made up of some of Nashville's most incredible players. I mean, people with, with long legacies of playing on some of the, you know, Faith Hills things and, you know, all kinds of incredible country artists. And then that's another thing that I think I shared with you. Um, and I'm sorry I'm rambling on, but there's so much to say about it. You know, um, it was important to me to record the track in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the laws that are, are, are have <laughs> oh, been getting too much attention here in Tennessee are, are laws um, and bills that break my heart. Um, and Nashville is my home now of five years and my community is loving and open and the music community is awesome but Tennessee is is really doing moving in a direction that I don't think is helping us come together as one right and so it was important to me to not fly out to California or fly out to New York where I've recorded these tracks in the past it was important to do them here in Nashville and so the the foundation the initial tracks my vocals and the, the instruments that were put on first were here in Omni Sound with musicians that wanted wow. to move forward. And I think that was another important thing for me, um, you know, just to sort of make that statement that, um, you know, that we, there are people all over this globe who want to see us move even further um, for love. So anyway, right. that's how we got to What Matters 2023. <laughs> it is
0: amazing. And I think what strikes me, I mean, the words tell the story. And, and so those will always be the most powerful part, but the, the, the instrumental behind it is just
2: gorgeous.
4: Unbelievable. Yes. We've tend to do a sort of um in the past, kind of a stripped-down version of the song to sort of let the music and and the lyrics actually sing. That was the the important thing was that the story of Matt and, and the story of unconditional love sing. But this, this time I wanted everyone in there and I just said, Do you, everyone do you. And so it is sort of epic. I mean, it is really epic when the strings swell and when the guitars swell and the voices come in, it feels epic and and along with, you know, different things that I was very conscious of like um, in the choral piece um, it's often done as a solo in the beginning and then when Matt walks in you
2: mm-hmm. know to
4: the raptor and says ten thousand tongues to sing, the voices start singing and if you notice on the track that's when the voices start and we start with Jason and DeMarco um, sort of singing that from a male perspective which was a new thing for me that I I didn't know until I heard it back for the first time that it was going to make me cry but it immediately gave me you know those those tears and she sure. So Um, There's something about having other people breathe life into those, you know, um, lyrics that I think um, really sort of uh, even in a way that I couldn't sing it, you know, and and so that's also a testament to what the choral piece did. But now we sort of made it into this sort of epic sort of, I don't know, beautiful piece that I just am in love with. and, And I'm happy when I listen to it.
0: Well, let's give people a listen to it. Here's What Matters 2023 by Randy Driscoll and Friends.
1: Standing strong and I, I am free. And didn't we share the same sunrise and sleep in the same moonlight? And tell me, isn't the blood in my veins the same? No My mother cry like everyone's My father grieved For his lonely son Isn't my rain
0: absolutely beautiful it gives me tears every time
4: thank you and I know I I know that song is is very special to you and it's part of why we're friends so thank you for always supporting the song and and believing in it and and you know sharing it far and wide appreciate it very much
0: so to that where can people go to get the track
4: Thank you for asking. So something that's very different now is that the song is available on all streaming platforms when we didn't have that years ago. So, um, as of today, um, when we're recording this, I I know that it's on Spotify. I believe it's been delivered to Apple and YouTube for sure. And a lot of those places, but, um, in the next few weeks, we plan on also doing a hard copy version of the CD because I thought it would be fun to throw back to just selling an actual copy of the CD. So we'll be doing that, too. And I think it's important for that. The liner notes are online digitally, so you can see all of the artists that, you know, gave them time to this project. And 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 they're all so in, impressive and important. But um, I thought doing a hard copy would be really cool, too, to have the lyrics printed, you know, kind of old school, but people still love that.
0: They do we sell
4: it out of the trunk of my car. Just to, <laughs> to a car because I have a baby now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And where can people go to follow you?
4: Oh, um, Randy Driscoll.com. I still have it. It's still mine. And um, we keep it pretty updated. Facebook's pretty good. Instagram is pretty good. And then if you're ever in Nashville, I perform every other Monday at um, Randy's revival, which is a, um, a showcase that I put on for songwriters, uh, 12 songwriters uh, every other Monday. And, Um, I did it as a way to bring music back after um, the pandemic and to bring people back into the live music music experience. So that's why it's my revival. And it's pretty cool. All kinds of music. All kinds of music. We're not just country there. It's really phenomenal. So come visit if you're in Nashville. And I'm talking to you, Greg. It's on my (laughs)
0: list. It's on my list. In fact, Tony and I were just talking about that as a possibility this summer. So... Uh, we'll be in oh, touch with Oh, and you know, yeah. you
4: know we're turning into kind of a foodie place, too. So you will really yeah. enjoy it here. Yeah. I mean, the music, the food, and then we get to see you. So.
0: Well, and the people, the most important part. That's for sure. Great. If you missed that website, we'll have it on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Just click on show notes at the top of the page, and you can follow Randy Driscoll and her amazing music. Randy, always great to have you on. Thank you so much.
2: Thank
4: you. Love you, friend.
0: And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News in Depth here on KRCB Radio. I'm Greg Moralia. Tonight we're talking about Matthew Shepard and the Matthew Shepard Foundation. It's been 25 years, believe it or not, since he was murdered in a pretty vicious hate crime in Laramie, Wyoming. And at this year's gala, there were several tributes and honorees. But one of the special ones that I participated in was for Judy Shepard herself.
9: Anyone who has ever worked at the Matthew Shepard Foundation is familiar with the Judy Shepard hug. It's actually quite difficult to describe, but you know it when you see it. People are literally changed
5: by her presence, experiencing a sense of acceptance, love, and strength that they may not have known they needed. The hug is what makes the Matthew Shepard Foundation different from all other LGBTQ organizations. It is her superpower. I think there's a hug, a good hug, a really good hug, and then there's the category of a Judy hug. I think one of the most effective ways we can erase hate is by communicating love, and nothing in the world does that quite as effectively as a hug from Judy.
8: She's so utterly approachable, and everyone who meets her walks away knowing that they have had a hug from Judy Shepard makes them feel very special.
1: I was immediately struck by her kindness, her warmth, her open-heartedness, and her love. I remember seeing the look on her
3: face when young people would come up to her and just hug her spontaneously because their parents wouldn't, and adults who for the same reason wanted to hug her because their families had not accepted them being LGBTQ. I was blessed to have an accepting family but a hug from Judy is like none other.
10: I just, I can't imagine a world without hugs uh, like hers, um, whether it's the real-life ones, which I, I love getting, or it's the metaphorical ones that she has uh, provided uh, uh, for our entire community um, and for so many people that she uh, will never know um, that she, whose lives she touched.
4: Her first hug was like her last hug which is something Judy is, and
3: that's consistent. They feel like warmth and love,
5: but they say, I see you, I accept you. She spoils me. For so many years, since the very first Bear to Make a Difference event on JR's second floor, from receiving the award named after our mutual friend, Dennis Doherty, from introducing Judy to my mom, Judy spoils me with a hug every single year.
4: The best kind of Judy hug is when she hugs you real tight and then she whispers something kind of funny in your ear <laughs> It makes you laugh. Um, and it's usually something unexpected and to me those are the best hugs.
9: I'll never forget the first time I was in the presence of Judy. It was in the Seawill Ballroom for the
5: premiere of Matt Shepard as a Friend of Mine in Denver. The speech that Judy gave that night became a
9: defining moment in Matt's story for me.
5: I remember that amazing, important day in my life when I met Judy Shepard.
3: I'll never forget the first time I met Judy 25 years ago. It seems like yesterday that
1: I first met Judy. I definitely remember the first time I met Judy sometime in the early 2000s. And the first thing she said was, I'm just a mom. And I started to cry.
3: I remember the first time I met Judy, I was working as a staffer in the Obama White House and we were getting ready for an event to commemorate the fifth anniversary of the matthew Shepard and james bird jr hate crimes prevention act and before we went in there judy looked over at me and she smiled and she said i'm going into that room and i'm going to tell those people to do their job and i'm going to show them what happens when they don't and that is exactly what she did she spoke truth to power in a way that showed strength and
5: above all else, love. I had this big question I wanted to ask them about writing a big musical piece for their son. If we talked, she seemed quiet uh, for for several minutes, and then I decided I needed to share a poem by Hafiz uh, called In Need of Breath, about what I, I feel like Matt's spirit and soul would have sung that night when he was alone. She got, got took the paper, unfolded it, read it. I felt her tears. We all of a sudden had a very sacred connection. She said, I want you to do this piece. It was just that simple.
3: I was still in college and had just seen the Laramie Project months before. And I had the honor of meeting her. I was very nervous. And she gave me a big hug. And her hug was... Everything I didn't know that I needed meeting her was incredibly profound. I was walking out of the hall late into the evening when I noticed Judy sitting in the corner with her feet propped up. Clearly she was tired, but I took a chance and went over and introduced myself. Within seconds, she jumped up, wrapped her arms around me and gave me a hug that was filled with love.
4: It was 2001
3: and hate crimes were popping up on campuses all over. And um, I even have a poster that was hanging on the wall with your autograph, because not only did I get to meet you after, but you also gave me an incredible hug.
1: After Judy's talk, I went backstage and introduced myself and told her that I was the University of Wyoming's keynote speaker for their Gay Awareness Week in 1998. And as soon as she heard that, she opened her arms and gave me one of those famous Judy hugs.
5: And I've experienced the comfort of a hug from Judy innumerable times over the years. But there's one hug, however, that still means the most to me. Judy's hug to welcome me on the board and to express her trust in me continue to inspire my work with her and Dennis to this day.
0: And what I remember most is about what she said, in order to change hearts and minds, you have to tell your story. Well, it took me four more years, but Matt's
8: story and Judy's words gave me the courage to come out. But one thing I do know is I think she set the Guinness Book of World Records For the hugs that she has given to countless strangers acquaintances and everyone she meets judy is the best example of what we can be as humans and what we can be as members of
10: civil society she is an incredible person and has been there for so many folks has been the fiercest ally that we could have ever imagined
3: i often say that doing this work I go to the most beautiful places and I meet the most extraordinary people for the worst reasons. Judy and Dennis and Logan and the entire Matthew Shepard Foundation family are probably the biggest example of that. I think about what an advocate we have in somebody who has taken such tragedy in their life and made it into a fire worth fighting for. And so in that moment, I felt all of that, my first hug with Judy, and I'll never forget it. I've seen her walk into rooms where people are clearly in pain. And when she gives someone a hug, she is not only sharing love and sharing strength,
1: she is building
3: power. And she continues to do that to this day.
2: Getting that Judy hug is what really made me think that if they can go through all of this every single day for all these decades, that I need to do more. And then if it wasn't for that hug, my book, Our Gay History in 50 States, never would have happened.
1: She has truly changed the world with the work she has done, and she has absolutely changed my life, and for that, I will always be grateful.
10: She has been um, and continues to be such a force for good and and for positiveness and for for making this world the world that we all know it needs to be. Keep up those hugs.
3: You make the world a better place to live in. Congratulations, and thank you from the bottom of my heart and the hearts of so, so many queer people and our allies. You've made the world a better place. You will continue to do that, which we need now more than ever.
0: Thank you, Judy, for all you've done for me and for so many others.
4: You are badass, Judy. I love you. I see you. And I am so glad you
5: are my friend. Thank you, Judy, for that trust And for that very special hug.
10: Thank you, Judy, for sharing so much of yourself with all of us. We love you very much. Love you, Judy. Love you, Judy. Thank you so much for everything you've done for us, for me, and for the world. I love you, Judy. Thank you so much, Judy. Love you and
2: all the work that the Matthew Shepard Foundation does.
5: It's a very special memory, and I hope for all my days, Judy will be feeling my hugs, my gratitude, my love. There are plenty of galas doing good work, but once a year, I get to get a hug from Judy. That's my inspiration to move forward and keep doing good work and add one more teddy bear to my collection. Dear Judy, on behalf of the 40-something gay boys around the world and marginalized and threatened people everywhere, we love you. And we put our arms around you today and every day. We will forever honor and memorialize Matt while we hold you close.
0: This year's honoree has also included the amazing Billy Porter. You remember him from the TV series Pose, where he played Pray tell, and also from his starring role in Kinky Boots. This Emmy and Tony award-winning artist is also an outspoken activist, and someone I can tell you who has the warmest of warm and loving hearts. Another honoree this year was Chasten Buttigieg. He's the husband of U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. Now, Chastin is an accomplished author and activist who's doing a lot to defend and further LGBTQ plus equality. He was honored with the Dennis Doherty Award. And here's what Chastin had to say.
9: Thank you so much. Um, Thank you very much for this warm welcome and this honor. Uh, I'm going to try not to cry already. My mom told me, don't you dare make me cry. Uh, Celebrating Matt's legacy with you all tonight, is such an honor, and, and thank you so much to the board and staff at the Matthew Shepherd Foundation for all your efforts in making this evening a shining example of impactful advocacy, community, and love, and for your continued commitment to erasing hate and honoring Matt's legacy. And thank you to the staff here at the Sheraton for welcome, welcoming us here in Denver, uh, and thank you to our wait staff tonight uh, for making our evening so seamless and enjoyable. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm joined here tonight by my mother, Sherry. Uh, I had to warn her that a glass of wine goes much further here in the Mile High City <laughs> than at sea level in Michigan. So again, to the wait staff, thank you so much for looking out for us. For many in the LGBTQ community, the words Matthew Shepard remind us of the fear we once or still do harbor about our very existence in this world and the question we often ask ourselves. Is it safe to be me? I was in fifth grade when Matt was taken from us, right about the time I was starting to figure out that I was gay. Growing up in Northern Michigan, I was a 4-H kid. I know, if you can believe it, thank you very much. Had very similar boots to Billy. Uh, Spending summers at the county fair and riding to school in my dad's pickup truck. At 10 years old, I sat in the living room and watched the evening news with my family as we learned about a young college student in Wyoming named Matthew, whose life was ended simply for being gay. I listened as the news anchors described how he was senselessly left to die, tied to a fence post, and abandoned by two men in a pickup truck. And I looked around, and I noticed that I was growing up around a lot of fence posts, and pickup trucks. Matt's story could have easily been many of our own. Those of us growing up in between cornfields and wide open pastures. In small towns and tight knit families where the very idea of being different scared us into the closet, we convinced ourselves we'd never know the freedom of an authentic life, the warmth of an accepting community or the unconditional love of a parent. I stand before you tonight beyond grateful for what the winds of time, progress, and love have led me to today. I finally cracked open that closet door. I fell in love with a mayor, if you'd believe it. (laughs) I learned the meaning of family, and am continuously reminded of my parents' unconditional love for me. Best of all, that time and love led me to the warmth of an early morning sunlight, blanketing the walls of a hospital nursery where my husband and I peered over two little bassinets as we met our children, Penelope and Gus, for the first time. My life forever changed, no longer just Chasten, but Dad. No amount of campaigning or politics, writing, or advocacy work on television would ever be as important as those two little swaddled twins. Barely five pounds, so tiny, so innocent, their entire lives ahead of them. All my dreams come true. And suddenly, this work took on new meaning. If you had gone back in time, and told 10-year-old Chaston sitting on the floor of his parents' living room watching the evening news that those dreams awaited him. He would never have believed you. I am so lucky I get to be this man today, so fortunate that when I ran away from home my mother called me back, terrified but convinced that her love for her son was more important than anyone else's opinion of him. Earlier this summer, I had the privilege of having breakfast with another incredible mom, Judy. We met at a diner in Washington, D.C., and whether Judy knows this or not, I was very emotional about the whole thing. (laughs) I've carried Matt's story so close to my heart over the years that hugging Judy felt as if I were finally being given permission to let go, to look up, to breathe to honor those feelings, but to channel them into something more than sadness or fear or sympathy. For whatever reason, I really needed that hug. As our breakfast continued, we talked about parenting. I showed her far too many pictures of my twins. Uh, And then we talked about legacy. Not just Matt's, but hers. Judy doesn't take compliments very well. I love you, Judy, but it's true. Where I'm from, we call that Midwest nice. (laughs) But she's too humble. At least she demurred over biscuits and gravy when I mentioned how her and Dennis's love for their son has changed countless hearts and minds. But I meant it. A common thread I often hear when mentioning the foundation is how remarkable Dennis and Judy are, how meaningful and groundbreaking their advocacy was in the 90s and continues to be today. Not every kid in the United States of America gets to come out to parents who love them. Not everyone gets a mom like Matt's or mine. In 1998, Dennis and Judy displayed that unconditional love for an entire country. And it's worth noting that they put that unconditional love for their gay son on display at a time when 50% of the American people didn't believe that being LGBTQ should be legal. Not even a decade after families and governments turned their backs on the LGBTQ LGBTQ community out of stigma and prejudice during the AIDS epidemic. Nevertheless, Dennis and Judy embraced their boy for who he was and fought back bigotry and hatred as any loving parent should. And they changed the world because of it. Now that I'm a dad, I understand what it means to feel that you'd move heaven and earth if anyone came between you and your kids. And those are the words I felt I could say out loud in front of you today. I I try not to swear. Um, And I am terrified of not doing right by those manipulative little Um, (laughs) two-year-olds. Even when they demand applesauce or wheels on the bus for the umpteenth time and I won't give in, I'm I'm always worried I'm not getting it right. But I know my kids are growing up in a home with parents who will love them for exactly who they are. And we tell them that daily. That is one of the most powerful things a parent can do. Tell your kids you love them unconditionally all the time. Make sure, yes. Make sure they know whether they're gay, straight, bi, trans, that they are loved unconditionally. Tell your kids you will always be loved for who you are. I am so grateful to be your parent. As I've traveled the country this year on a book tour, I have spent a lot of time in communities that are hurting, often convening roundtables with students or teachers on the front lines of this new wave of homophobia and transphobia, especially in places like Texas and Florida. Over 500 Anti-LGBTQ bills have been introduced around our country. Trans Americans, specifically black trans women, face alarming threats of violence as their healthcare and dignity are debated in state houses and on late night television by podcast hosts masquerading as politicians. Reducing some of the most vulnerable Americans to talking points for clout and campaign donations. Sometimes, trans individuals and their families are forced to pack up and move across state lines. American refugees in the United States of America. Books being pulled from library classroom shelves simply for featuring an LGBTQ character, including my own. (laughs) Teachers' jobs are being threatened should they choose to live their lives authentically or acknowledge the existence of LGBTQ people in the classroom. Parents being threatened with litigation for seeking life-saving medical care for their children. It's almost as if things are getting much worse because, at least for a very short time, they got a little better. That is not normal. And fighting back against this rise in hate will take all of us. But luckily, we share this room tonight— with so many folks ready to tackle this work head-on because those in this room know that hate has no home in the United States of America. This is a season for active allyship. For all of us to stop and ask ourselves when it comes to the term ally, Have I given it to myself, or have I earned it? This requires us to think how we use our time, our money, and our privilege to benefit those who need us the most. Organizations like the Matthew Shepard Foundation are more vital than ever as we seek to eradicate hate and move communities toward compassion and acceptance for all people, especially those in the LGBTQ community who, for far too long, have been on the outside of inclusion. This work can at times feel insurmountable, I know. I know what it feels like to question whether your advocacy and work make a difference at the end of the day. But we will never knock down that wall of exclusion and hatred if we don't pick up the hammer and start chipping away. This work can be daunting, but please don't underestimate your power as a parent a teacher, or a community member. So much of this life-saving work doesn't have to happen in the State House or in Washington. Real change is also found in our family conversations around the dinner table or in the living room, in our classrooms, and at the grocery store checkout. Tell the people that you love, you love them. Make sure they know that. Make sure people in your communities or workplaces know that you are a safe space make sure they see your advocacy in action. For so many of us, even though it pains me to say in another time, I'm realizing I'm getting older and I'm no longer one of the youth. Um, (laughs) It was just a given that we didn't acknowledge the existence of LGBTQ people. It was simply unsafe to be out. There was no room for difference. The fear and isolation is still real for countless LGBTQ plus people in this country, but we can change that. So when that scared little kid sitting on the floor of his parents' living room in Northern Michigan, like I was in 1998, watching the news and listening to commentators and politicians debate their humanity, their dignity, or their civil rights, they'll at least know that the people who love them the most are on their side and that they will never fight these battles alone. You all will never fight these battles alone. Judy, Dennis, I am so humbled to be recognized by your family and your foundation. You will always have a friend and an ally in me, and I look forward to working alongside you as we continue to continue to honor Matt's life and legacy with action. Thank you so much.
0: The legacy of Matthew Shepard, who he was as a person, his story and what change has happened since his vicious murder has been preserved in so many incredible forms. The Tectonic Theater Company's two plays, The Laramie Project and The Laramie Project, ten years later, offer a record of the event and how people of the town reacted. Judy Shepard's book, The Meaning of Matthew, offers readers an insight into who Matt was as a person and his family. And Consperari's two-CD recording of Considering Matthew Shepard offers an oratorio of the story, And there's several documentaries that offer the truth about what happened, including Matt Shepard was a friend of mine. I often refer to Matt Shepard as the best friend I never knew. His story changed my life, and I will always be grateful for that. Matt was finally laid to rest at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. back in December of 2020. This special place is right near the resting place of Helen Keller and offers visitors a place to go, remember, and reflect. You can learn more about the work of the Matthew Shepard Foundation at matthewshepard.org. That wraps up our evening. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio. I'll be back on the fourth Sunday of December, which happens to be Christmas Eve. We'll have a special evening of holiday music from LGBTQ artists. Join us then. In the meantime, have a great week and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us.
11: You're broken down and tired Of living life on the merry-go-round And you can't find a fighter But I see it in you So we gon' walk it out Woo mountains We gonna walk it out and Move mountains
0: like Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCBFM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken. Air chilled, non GMO, locally raised right here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at RockyandRosie.com. You're listening to 104.9 KRCBFM Roner Park and KRCGFM Windsor, Sonoma County's NPR station. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Beale Street Caravan is next.